1: Hello, I'm Jonathan Moles, and you're listening to FT Startup Stories, a 10-part series in which I talk to entrepreneurs about the challenges of starting and growing a business. Alicia Navarro founded Skimlinks, a company that enables other companies to turn product references on websites into revenue-raising links. She describes herself as Spanish-blooded, Aussie-born, Once San Francisco-based, but now living in London. She could add that she is known as Queen of the Pivots, a process of developing a business by changing the direction of travel and living with an expectation of constant change.
0: I guess the original pivot, and the one that we're quite well known for because it's part of the mythology of Skimlinks, is... The fact that when I started this company, it was a completely different beast. It was a B2C social shopping site, not massively dissimilar from Pinterest or other social shopping sites. And uh, as we were trying to find ways to monetize it, we experimented with different solutions and came upon a solution that was pretty cool. It was a way that we could automatically turn the user-generated product links on our sites into their equivalent trackable affiliate links so that anyone using our site to buy products would earn us a commission. And I found that when I was pitching for investment or pitching for customers for the service, I found that more people were interested in this monetization technology that we built than in the entire social shopping service that I thought was the star. And in a moment of absolute desperation, because this was... Q4 of 2008 when the world was starting to slide into recession and I had run out of rabbits to pull out of a hat and uh, in that moment of desperation realised that perhaps a better solution for us would be to dump everything I'd built for the last two years and instead to commercialise this internal monetization technology so that other websites could use it on their sites as well.
1: That was because of a crisis point in the business. I mean how bad was it when you had to make that decision?
0: I mean, each month I had a zero bank account and I had three people that were working for me, plus myself. So every month I somehow had to find enough money to pay for, including myself, payrolls. And every month I somehow found a way to do it, but I would pay my wage bill and then the day after, the panic would begin again as to where I'd find money for the next month's payroll. That desperate pivot was very much the birth of what Skimlinks is today. So we became, in one fell swoop, a B2B ad tech company, instead of a B2C consumer service company. So Skilllinks was born at the end of 2008 and we very quickly grew in both team size and customer base and over the next few years rolled that solution out to as many publishers worldwide as we could.
1: How big is the company now?
0: Now it's 85 people, most of our business is in the US even though we're headquartered in London but we've got customers from all over the world. About $700 million worth of e-commerce sales go through our platform every year. We work with pretty much every major publisher that talks about products or brands in some way. It's been a success from that perspective.
1: Was that enough? Has the business had to change since then?
0: My background is a product manager, so what I love to do more than anything else is invent new things, basically, and build them. And so over the last eight years... There's been a flurry of new products that we've built and launched and, in most cases, retired. It can be very amusing to hear them because they all, of course, start with Skim. So we had Skim Buzz, Skim Kit, Skim Words. The list can literally go on for many minutes of the many other addendum products and services that we launched in order to extend what Skimlinks could do for our publishers. And they were all really good ideas, but for many reasons they were not successful.
1: You've got multiple things like this. You realise are failures. How do you stop that draining the life out of the rest of the business?
0: It's a very good question, and I don't think we've always succeeded. I think that it is, as a product manager, and probably you know, very heartbreaking to retire a product that you've spent a lot of years building and a lot of time evangelising, and then to admit that it's not something that is going to work or be our future, and undoubtedly difficult for the team that we're working on it. It can be hard for people and increasingly I see that my role is less about doing stuff but instead about taking people on this journey and making them be okay with the decisions that have to be made along the way. And frankly, there's only certain types of people that survive and thrive in this kind of startup environment and we've learned that again the hard way. There are just certain people that like stability and like calmness and focus and they're not going to survive well. In our company.
1: But particularly for all these failures there are also successes that have actually taken skim links into new places.
0: The things that we've done historically that have been successful has been about identifying that we are more than just a source of monetization for our publishers, we're also a source of insights. I mean more recently the big I guess new pivot for us, although it's not quite a pivot because our main business is still our main business, But we have pivoted from being a pure affiliate monetization company to being now very much a big data company. To explain quite simply, our most recent launch, which we launched at the end of last year, was about taking all the data that we collect as a result of running the Core SkinWinx business and feeding those data points into a very complex machine learning algorithm that enabled us to create these models that predict shopping behaviours down to a very granular level, like down to a particular product brand or product category. And what we do is we then make these segments of individuals, anonymized individuals, available for programmatic targeting through the buying platforms that agencies and advertisers use in order to buy advertising space on the web. Very, very technical to describe, but in essence it means that we're able to help advertisers target people that are in market for their products really effectively and we then take that money that we make from selling that data and share it back to the publishers that contributed the data points that we use to create these Intender segments. Right. It's a huge pivot, and I say in inverted commas here, because it is an entirely new industry. We've gone from being in the affiliate publishing e-commerce world to being now in the programmatic ad tech world it's a whole different type of customer set that we're selling to so historically we've only really sold to publishers now we're selling to advertisers and agencies and it's a whole new revenue model you know we've gone from a rev share on affiliate to a revenue model tied to advertising spend so it's a huge new area for us that we've really spent the last I mean, it's been a year and a half that we've spent actually building it, but it's been four years that I've been thinking about building it and working towards this point. And the reason I guess it's taken so long is you have to take everyone on a journey as to why this is where we need to go. You need to find the right people that believe in your vision and that have the skills and contacts to be able to take that and make something happen. You then need to hire the right engineers and train them in whole new languages in many cases to build this and make it happen. And invariably, when you're dealing with That much data. I mean, we're talking terabytes. It takes longer to do than you anticipate, but we finally have gotten to this point, and yeah, so now you know we're now a new kind of company. We think that within a year we can build a business the size of Skimlinks that's taken us eight years to build.
1: So doubling business size in a year.
0: Yeah, and the growth of it is bigger. And if you think about what's happening on the online advertising world and how much budgets are moving away from. Deals done over a boozy lunch to being spent via programmatic platforms. All these billions of dollars are moving onto these platforms. And if we can be the premier source of shopping intent data in that marketplace, it's a really exciting position to be in and uh, completely changes the nature of the kind of company that we are.
1: Caroline Daniels teaches entrepreneurship at Babson College in the U.S., I asked her about the concept of the pivot. How useful an idea is it for people starting up a business?
2: When you think of a new venture, the pivot is essential. It's actually part of coming up with an idea and really trying to find a revenue model that will support the idea and change it from an idea to a business model that works. Because we come up with great ideas as entrepreneurs and we fall in love with the idea And initially, we're product-focused because we think this idea is the best idea ever. And, of course, secondly, we have to move from being in love with the product or idea to being in love with the customer, in a sense. And that's the juncture when we begin testing a minimal viable product or a prototype with the customer where we really need to adjust our perspective to what the customer wants.
1: Do you have to find yourself in this crisis point in order to make those clear decisions that you look back and say are the best of your entrepreneurial journey? Or can you prepare yourself to try and think these things through without raising the blood pressure too much?
2: (laughs) I think you can prepare yourself. In the beginning, ventures have very few resources. So Survival mode is really the nature of the beast because you have very little cash and you have very little time to prove your product and prove your customer base. But moving on, and I think Alicia Navarro is a great example of this in Skimlinks, they've adopted an agile approach to their business model, and they're always looking for new ideas. And I think that's why they hire people who are willing to change and adapt to that agile process right from the beginning.
1: Are there any tips for companies like this in finding the kind of people who embrace this sort of risk and this idea that they've got to do something that may well fail in order to find that sort of killer application of their service?
2: Uh, Interesting question. Of course, I'm an educator in an MBA program, so I think that new MBAs coming out probably have the up-to-date tools. But it's really looking for people who are adaptable and maybe throughout their experience have looked for opportunities and are willing to change.
1: So, pivots are essential, but what's the impact on the entrepreneur of working in an environment of uncertainty and change? It's exciting, but isn't it stressful too? Here is Alicia again.
0: I think you get used to a permanent state of being daunted, basically, and that just becomes normal. Yes, I mean when I started Skimlinks I was suddenly thrust into the affiliate world and suddenly was speaking at conferences about affiliate marketing. I knew nothing about affiliate marketing. I I had stumbled across this idea and launched it because I had experienced that problem myself, not because I was an expert in the industry, but I had I had to become one. And I feel like I'm in that situation again now where suddenly I'm thrust into the programmatic data world of which It's phenomenally complex, much more complex than the affiliate world. And I feel like no matter how much news I digest or how many people I speak to, I still feel like a novice half the time. But I have come to the conclusion that everyone feels that way. (laughs) And so, again, you just have to become comfortable with a degree of discomfort to survive.
1: In the next episode, I talked to a former management consultant who moved from Connecticut to Krakow to help people in Poland start companies after the fall of the Berlin Wall, then decided to stay on and become an entrepreneur there himself. You can catch up on previous episodes of FT Startup Stories by going to our special page, ft.com forward slash startup, where you can also find links to FT articles on entrepreneurship and business education. You can also take up our offer of a 25% discount on a subscription to the Financial Times by going to ft.com forward slash startup offer. Until next time, goodbye. Planning for your next trip?